Hello and welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're always so encouraged to know that God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send a message to lifechange at hopecityonline.net. Now, let's prepare our hearts for a powerful message out of God's Word. There's... um. One thing that I hate, and maybe you guys can resonate or um, relate with this, but I hate bait-and-switch salesmen. Does anybody else like, know what I'm talking about? Don't you hate bait-and-switch salesmen? Let me give you a couple examples that I think everybody can relate to. Um, you've experienced it at least at some point in your life. So you know the kiosks that are in the mall when you're walking down um, the mall, and you're just trying to walk to a blooming store, and these people are stopping you, because they're trying to sell you some salt from the Dead Sea to put on your hands. Or they're trying to sell you a hair straightener or something. And, and here's the deal. They're not just, the thing is, they're not just trying to sell it to you. They are baiting you in and then going to switch the conversation over to trying to sell it to you. Like, hey, how are you doing today? They, they act like they're just being polite. They're not just being polite. They're trying to sell you something, right? And then they offer you something. Can I give you a free sample? Bull crap, that's not a free sample. Like, you're trying to sell me something, right? Um, or, or here's another one. Can I, can I straighten your hair for you? No, you can't straighten my blooming hair. I don't even have enough hair for you to straighten. And they offer to straighten your hair or do something like that. But they're really not wanting to give you anything. They're wanting you to give them something. And that is your credit card information or cash, right? Because they're trying to sell you. It's a bait and switch sales pitch. Another one is uh, most timeshare salesmen. You guys know what I'm talking about? And so they offer you, would you like a free dinner? Well, of course I'd like a free dinner. I'm a human being. I want a free dinner. Well, then come to, all you got to do is just come hang out with us. We, our tickets are back at our place. What they mean by our tickets are back at our place is come sit through our three-hour presentation, which is the closest thing on this planet to hell that you can experience before you pass through eternity, right? Like, like that's another bait-and-switch salesman. And so I say all that for this reason. This morning, the conversation that we're going to have is one that so many pastors make the mistake of trying to butter up and make look good and make sound good and make it seem like something that it's not, that people have begun to read between the lines and they know what they're getting and they, they are turned off by it. And so what I want to do, I want to be really, really intentional to lay all my cards out on the table on the front end to tell you what we're going to be talking about so that you know where we're coming from. Also want to be clear that, that the reason we're talking about it is not the reason you think we're talking about it or maybe the reason that you've heard other churches talk about it, but it's a conversation that will conjure up feelings of negative emotion for you because you've been in enough bait and switch sales pitches in services throughout your history um, as a churchgoer. This morning, we're going to be starting a conversation about God and money and how those two things intersect in our lives. The scripture says where your treasure is, that's where your heart's at. So the truth of the matter is if we want God to have our heart, obviously God's got to have a hold of something else, have a hold of something that's valuable to us, something that's important to us, something like money. And so if that's the case, then it's got to be something that we talk about. It's got to be something that we teach on. The problem is I'm just convinced in our culture, 
We have made the mistake of making the conversation something that it should not be, something that the Scripture has not declared that it is. And because of that, people are turned off when the church talks about money. So I'm throwing all my cards on the table and tell you we're going to have a really uncomfortable conversation this morning. You're not going to like it. You're not going to walk away going, man, that was so inspiring. You're not going to walk away going, I'm biting my friends next week. I'm just praying you show back up next week. However, it's a conversation that will unlock unbelievable things in your life if you will at least make the decision to be open to the conversation in your heart and in your mind because God wants to move and do something and teach you something that maybe you didn't expect or think that he could in this place this morning as we have this conversation together. Before we do, let's pray and ask God's blessings over our time. God, we ask that over the next few moments that you speak to us, that you teach us, that you draw us close to yourself, that you open our hearts more than anything, God, that you would open our hearts to what it is that you want to say about this really, really tough subject for so many of us because it's a subject where we feel like we're already struggling and we don't need another guilt trip. God, help us to be open to what it is that you want to say, what it is that you want to do, what it is that you want to teach to us in this place this morning. And we're going to give you all the praise for it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Robbie, and I'm privileged to be one of the pastors here at Hope City Church. And if we have not had the opportunity to meet, man, I would love the chance to get to do that. Right after this worship experience, I'm going to be hanging out over at an environment that we've got called Starting Point. Starting Point, and we offer it once a month, but it's a one-hour environment where child care is provided, lunch is provided, but it's a two-fold um, a, approach to a conversation and that is we want you to be able to peel back the curtains and see who we are as a church why we exist why we do what we do a lot of times you can't gather those things just from a conversation on Sunday mornings and so we would really really love for you to be able to come to starting point the second thing is we're going to talk specifically about how you and your family can get involved and play a part in who we are as a church and why we do what we do and so I would love for you to be there the only prerequisite to coming to starting point is that you have never been to starting point before and so I would venture to guess I won't make you raise your hands but I would venture to guess there's like 80 percent of you in the room that have never been to starting point however you're not planning on going to starting point because you've heard me talk about starting point five times and you didn't go the other five times so you're not planning on going now and i want you to actually like consider coming to starting point today promise i won't keep you more than an hour promise the food's going to be good promise your kids are going to have a blast there's video games and all that stuff set up for them we'd love for you guys to be at starting point so even if you weren't planning on coming If you don't have lunch plans or somewhere to be over the next hour, please, please, please consider coming to Starting Point. And if you came with a significant other, nudge them right now and say, should we go? Should we go? And start having that conversation. You guys can start your argument about coming to Starting Point now, and then you'll have that um, figured out by the time the worship experience is over. Here's what I want to do. To be able to start this conversation this morning, I want to do a social experiment that we all collectively did together about 14 months ago as a church. So if you weren't here 14 months ago, you didn't get to participate in the social experiment if you were here 14 months ago you'll remember the social experiment as we start to do it and i want to ask you to participate again now i need to forewarn you this experiment is going to cost something to participate you are going to get charged okay here's what i want everybody to do can you throw that number on the screen for me um 980-255-5600 i want you to do me a favor and and listen even if you're not signed up even if you don't normally do this deal even if it's not your normal bag i would love for as many people in the room to participate as possible because the more people that participate the more it'll make sense on the back end and so if you've got a phone doesn't necessarily have to be a smartphone as long as you've got the ability to text i want you to get out your phone and i want you to text a number between one 
and five. So if you're a high roller, you got lots of money, you got extra to give away, I want you to text the number five. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to get charged $5. If you're not a high roller and you didn't come in planning on giving anything to this church, you're not even sure if you like this church yet, everybody can spare a dollar. So if that's you, I want you to text the number one. But somewhere between one and five, I want you to text one of those numbers to 980-255-5600. Go ahead and do that now. I'm giving you permission to get out your phone right now and to do that. And even if you've never done that before and it takes you a few minutes to get signed up and to get logged in and all that stuff, that's okay. I'm giving you permission to do that as well. 980-255-5600. I want as many people in the room to participate as possible. And you'll see why in just a few minutes um, when we wrap up the service together today. So any number between one and five. Now, here's what I want to do. I want, while you're doing that and while we uh, are collectively having this conversation together, I want to kind of bring you up to speed um, into my world. Because as a pastor, here's what I have the, the distinct honor of getting to do, but also the burden of having to carry. And that is um, having to dispel myths that people have bought into because church or culture or both church and culture have sold a bill of goods or a lie to a group of people. And they believe that that lie and so they make the assumption about any particular subject because of that lie and I want us collectively together to dispel a myth and it's a myth that if you weren't raised in church you probably definitely believe and if you were raised in church you still probably have a little bit of an inkling of this because you've watched people jack up the conversation between God and money enough to where this is probably what's going on in your mind and you may have even seen this play out as reality in your life before and for some people it wasn't a myth but this is a myth that I want you guys to to hear and to know. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The myth is this. The church just wants your money. The church just wants your money. And even those of you that go, well, that doesn't sound, I mean, I don't know that I would word it that way. Everybody's kind of got that in the back of their mind, right? Like, yeah, I know that they love people and I know that they love Jesus and they want people to come to Jesus. But the truth of the matter is they want people to come to Jesus because if people come to Jesus then they'll get to know Jesus. And if they get to know Jesus, they'll fall in love with Jesus. And if they fall in love with Jesus, they'll start living like Jesus. And if they start living like Jesus, guess what? They'll be generous like Jesus and then we'll get their money, right? And so everybody kind of goes down that path somewhere deep down in the back of your mind. And there's always that moment, right, where um, the the offering baskets are passed in service and for those of you that have had a bad experience with church and money it just kind of makes you cringe a little bit every time the basket is passed and for some of you you've even skipped church on a particular weekend or made an excuse not to come to church because you knew we were going to be taking up an offering and you just want to avoid the conversation entirely and so for all of us we've we've bought into this myth at least on some level that the church just wants our money and the truth of the matter is I can't speak for everybody But I can speak for the Church of Jesus and I can speak for Hope City Church. Nothing could be further from the truth. And I hope that over the next 15 or 20 minutes, you'll indulge me and give me the opportunity to prove that to you. I need a couple of volunteers to help me prove this to you. Josh, come on up here, buddy. Can you help me out? Um, You uh, will work. And then Jeff, can you come up here and help me out, buddy? I promise I'm not going to do anything weird to you. I'm not going to make you eat anything. I'm not going to make fun of you, nothing like that. Um, I just need you guys to be visual aids for me. You're basically going to be models. You both kind of look like models. Two very different catalogs, obviously, but you both uh, look like models. Okay, come on over here and stand beside um, him. All right, uh, tell everybody tell everybody your name. Jeff. Jeff, everybody say, hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Tell everybody your name. Josh. Everybody say, hey, Josh. Uh, Josh is our future NFL star, and Jeff will be his agent one day. Okay, all right, so uh, here's how this is going to work. You guys are going to play characters for me, and uh, Jeff, you are going to represent everybody in this room. 
You're going to represent me. You're going to represent these guys out here. And all of us remember that moment when we made our first $500. Everybody remember when they made their first $500? Maybe you saved up uh, several paychecks to get your first $500. Or maybe you worked a job where it was like your first real, like real, real adult job. And you got a paycheck for $500. Now, you may have all went right out the window the moment that you got it. However, everybody remembers, remembers what it was like to get their first $500, right? All right, so here's what I've got. I've got $500 here taped up. I got it taped up because I don't want you jacking any of my money and I don't trust you. And so there's the $500. Keep, no, don't don't just, just hold it, okay? All right, so there's $500. You represent me, um, and you represent everybody here, and, uh, and you got your first $500. You're super excited about it, but you don't trust yourself um, with $500 cash. You don't trust the people that are around you um, for you to be carrying $500 cash. So what's the first thing you do when you get $500 cash? You want to open a checking account or a savings account, right? And so you are going to go to the bank of Josh, right? And you're going to go over to the bank, and you're going to give him the 500, you didn't look very excited about that. Can you just, okay. So you're going to give him uh, the $500 cash. Now, Josh, you don't look like a banker, um, but that's okay. We'll, we'll, you'll, we'll, you'll do. Um, and so you're holding this uh, $500 cash uh, for Jeff. And uh, Jeff's really excited that he's finally got his first checking account. And um, he and his wife are well on their way. Like they're going to they're gonna be rock stars. They're going to be millionaires one day. But this is the first 500 and they're super excited about it. Okay. Now, Here's what happens, and everybody knows this to be true, that randomly throughout our marriages, women have this weird thing about them where they decide that they need money for a project that makes no sense to us whatsoever. However, we're not going to argue with the fact that they need money for a project because we would rather have peace in our home than to be right about the project. Can I get a witness? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, exactly. So let's just say, Jeff, um, your wife has seen uh, this particular china cabinet on Pinterest and she is really excited about getting this china cabinet, buying this china cabinet, but this china cabinet is going to cost $500, right? Now you don't, for the life of you, you don't understand why you're buying a china cabinet. You don't know why you got china in your house to begin with. You're just like, they gave us china when we got married. It's been sitting up in the cabinet with the other plates for years. It's been fine. But all of a sudden your wife says that she wants a cabinet to put it in. And rather than arguing, you're going to keep peace in your home and you're going to go to the bank and you're going to get your $500. No, 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 You're going to go to the bank and get your $500, but you walk into the bank and uh, you walk up to the teller, and you see uh, that the lady's got kind of a grim look on her face. She almost looks disappointed that you have walked in. And she says, just a moment, uh, Mr. Reeves. And she picks up the phone, and then she puts the phone back down. And she says, yes, Mr. Josh would like to see you in his office. And so you make your way back to the office. And then when you get back to the office, you sit down, and Josh begins to explain the following story. Jeff We've been friends a long time. You've been coming here since you first got married. You gave us your first $500. Like, I'm really, really thankful that you've been banking with us. But let me tell you about what's been going on in my world. Um, my, my family hasn't been on a vacation in years, and, and we are all just spent. And so we decided last year that we were going to go on a vacation. We were going to go on a cruise. And, and, and I didn't have the money to go on, on a cruise, um, but I was managing your money, and so I used your money to go on a cruise. And then my, my son started uh, playing football um, because he's like his his dad he's playing football and he's, he's going to college and we've got to we've got to pay his first down payment to be able to go to college and so we had to pay that and I didn't have the money for that either but um, you, you gave me your money and so I used that money for that and he starts rolling down the list of why he used Jeff's money to do his things that he wanted to do Jeff what is your response to that where's my, $500? <laughs> where's my money right when you said where's my Five. I was really hoping that $500 was what you were going to say. 
I was going to be like, don't blame me. I didn't say it this time. All right. Yeah, right. So, because uh, you're just like the rest of us, and I think that all of us could probably attest that we're all in the same boat, right? Like, we want to know where our money's at. Why? Because it's our money, right? You're, it's, it's her money. You're exactly right. You're, how long have you been married? A long time. Long time. <laughs> You've been married long enough to know that it's not your money. Her money. It's her money. I understand. All right, so um, you're upset. You're freaking out. You're really mad about this situation, and you feel bad because you want to be able to give him the money back. You want to be able to give him part of the money back, but you can't give him part of the money because you spent all the money and you spent it on things that you thought were good things, but the truth of the matter is it wasn't yours to spend. Now, here's where this illustration takes a very realistic turn because we're going to relabel these guys because the truth is Jeff doesn't represent you and me and Josh doesn't represent a bank. Jeff represents God and Josh represents you and me. A long time ago, God started entrusting us with his resources. God started entrusting us to manage his resources, his money, his time, his talent, his kids, his cars, his everything. God started entrusting us to manage his stuff. Somewhere along the way, We started treating it like our stuff. Why? Because we went to work and we bought it. We we, we, we earned that ourselves, right? Who gave you the ability to work? Who got you the job? And who gave you the resources and the gifts and the skills and the talents you have to be able to do that job? See, it's not yours. It's his. He gave it to you to manage and to steward. And here's the problem. You weren't a very good manager of it. You spent it on things that had nothing to do with Jeff. Jeff didn't get to go on the cruise. Jeff didn't get to go to college. The truth of the matter is you spent it on stuff for you. And now as much as you want to, you don't have the ability or the capacity to spend it on anything for him. Why? Because it's gone. And how often do we say that? Man, I want to be generous. I want to be a giver. I'm just not in the position in life to be able to do that right now. And why aren't we in the position to be able to do that right now? Because we've got too much of our own kingdom using the resources that God has entrusted us with to be able to expend any on his. Does that make sense? That's the first fallacy with that statement. The church just wants your money. The problem is... It's not your money. Give these guys a hand. You guys did a great job. Give them my $500 back. You guys can go sit down. Good job. Thanks for coming up and helping me out there. The, the, the truth of the matter is, you got to know, it's not yours. God owns everything, and you've been asked to manage it. You've been asked to steward it. Now, that word steward is a funny word, because anytime we bring up stewardship in church, it means somebody wants to build a building. Right, And you guys have all been there. You've all experienced that. The church wants your money. The church wants to build something with your money. The church wants to buy something with your money. And because the church wants to do something with your money, now we're going to talk about stewardship. Matter of fact, the majority of churches in the United States of America, you know why they talk about money? Because they need your money. Because they want your money. Because they want to do something with your money. 
As a matter of fact, I have yet to hear of a church in our area that has talked about biblical stewardship the way that you are called to manage God's resources without a hook on the end of it asking you to give some of those resources back to the local church for a specific project. When stewardship was never meant to be about project management, stewardship was meant to be about you managing God's resources and managing it well. That word steward, it's an old English word and it very simply means manager right it's nothing fancy it's nothing spiritual the church didn't come up with it it just means manager but we don't use it in our culture anymore you don't go down to Merrill Lynch and say I need to see a steward please you you say I need to see an asset manager and the reason you need to see an asset manager is because that's what we call it in our culture steward is only used in church circles and anytime I hear somebody talking about stewardship or using the word stewardship I know that they either have done this themselves or they have a friend that has read the Bible because we only talk about stewardship when it comes to spiritual things but the truth is stewardship is not a spiritual thing it's just very simply managing something and managing it well so whenever we think about stewardship you got to take out of the conversation the mentality that we're talking about you being generous with your resources because that's not stewardship you being generous with your resources isn't management at all you being generous with resources that aren't yours because you're trying to represent the person that has entrusted you with those resources, now we're talking about stewardship. You see the difference? Huge difference, and most churches get this conversation wrong. But the reality is the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In Psalm chapter 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. That means nothing you have is yours. You've just been entrusted with it for a little while. You don't believe me? That house that you're living in right now, as much as you want that to be yours, eventually somebody else is going to live in that house. You know why? Because you're just a manager of it for a little while. That money that you've got, one day it won't be money that you've got. Because if you've got any left, you're going to pass it on to somebody else. Why? Because it's not yours. You're just the manager of it for a little while. The kids that you've been given, they aren't yours. They're God's. And they've just been entrusted to you for a little while. Some a little longer than others. It used to be 18 years. Now it's more like 25. Some of you are wondering, God, when are you going to take them back? Some of you are going, like, if they keep acting the way they're going, I'm going to send them on early. Right? Right? The truth of the matter is everything that you've been given is yours and that changes things. It changes the way you budget because you're not budgeting your money. You're budgeting God's money. You're trying to figure out, does this make God look good in the world? Is this advancing God's kingdom? It changes the way you save because you don't save so that you can do this or do that. You save so, so you can better set yourself up to be able to serve God's kingdom later down the road. It changes the way you give because you're not greedy with it. You're like, well, it wasn't mine to begin with, and I want to be generous of what it is that God's given to me because he gave it to me to represent him and represent him well. It changes everything when you move from ownership to stewardship. And there's a word that I think represents God more than any other word in the English language. And it's the word generosity. Because you can say that God is love, and that sounds really good, and that preaches really well. But the truth of the matter is, y'all all know that you got some people in your life that you love, but you ain't going to do anything for them, right? You got some cousins that if they come up and ask for money, they can roll on. 
right? But you love them in Jesus, but that's it. But there's a step further beyond that when love becomes tangible, when love becomes actual, when love requires you to do something. And that word is generosity, and that represents the Lord more than any other word in the English language because he's been extravagantly generous to you and to me because of what he did when he sent his son to shed his blood and die on the cross for us. And if we want to represent him well, then our budget, our giving, our everything has to look extremely, extremely, almost to the point of it making no sense. Generous. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Chad, you got, uh, got some, somebody back there for me? I, I didn't tell you guys that I was doing this, but before service started, I ordered a pizza. Um, I actually ordered a couple pizzas. Can you, can you do me a favor and bring that up for me? Thanks, buddy. Hey, what's your name? David. David. Davis. Can everybody say, hey, Davis? Give Davis a big round of applause. He's doing a great job. Davis, come on up here, bud. Is this my, is this my pizza? Oh, yeah. Thanks, bro. Let's see what we got. Come on over here, man. So make sure you didn't screw up my order. You just a delivery guy, or did you put this together, too? You didn't put it together? So if it is screwed up, we're just going to blame somebody else. I got you. Davis, where are you from? I'm from Concord. You're from Concord? Woo-woo. Give it up for Concord. Is... Is this weird for you yet? No, not yet. No, you're, <laughs> you're good. So uh, let's see, how much do I owe you? $12.84. Um, they normally tip you, right? Oh, uh, well, we did the delivery fee. So. so how much was the delivery fee? $2. So are you good with that $2? Or we, oh, man. Come on now, be honest. Man, I'm not going to ask for more. No, nah, I know you're not going to ask, but I'm asking you, would you like a tip? So let me ask you a question. So how much do you make an hour on a Sunday, like average, if you count tips too? Hourly wage, ballpark. About fifteen dollars an hour. I got you. So about what my pizza cost. I got you. Okay, cool. So, um, man, this smells really good. It's, it's amazing. Um, so here's what we're gonna do. I, I'm a big fan of Pizza Hut, um, and, and I want to tip you too. I don't, the delivery charge thing is bogus. Come on now. I used to deliver pizzas. I know we're doing this for tips, right? And so, I, so I want to give you a, a tip, but rather than me giving you a tip. Um, because I'm not nearly as generous as these people are, mm-hmm. I'm going to let them give you a tip so I don't have to. Oh, so, okay. so what they did, <laughs> so what they didn't realize was uh, a few minutes ago they texted in how much they wanted to tip you for the pizza. Um, the test texted anywhere between one and five dollars um, to you, and that is going to be your tip for delivering this twelve dollar pizza. Now, this doesn't really make any sense. It's way more extravagant than. Um, you would normally get a tip, but we're talking about extravagant generosity today. So I hope that's cool with you if you're a guinea pig. Is that okay with you? Yeah, so Chad, uh, you, got that, you got that number for me? Thank you. Okay, got it. So here's the deal. Um, this money that I taped up earlier that I was using, um, we're going to dig into this and see if we can give you a tip. So it's $12.84. So what would 20% be? $12.84. Somebody help me out with math. $4, two, $3? $3 would be generous. So you got the $2 delivery charge. If we tacked on $3 to that, that would be $5. That's not bad. $5 for coming right down the street. Tip you $5. But the problem is I'm not going to tip you $5 because, again, I let them pick how much they wanted to tip you. So uh, here's 20 and you keep the change off that 20 so that's an $8 tip. Is that pretty good? that work for you? For me, that's amazing. That's amazing. How would another 20 work? That's too much. How about another 20? Because it's even more than too much. Yeah. 
and another 20, and another 20, and another 20. Tell you what, you can just have everything that I've got. And you guys do me a favor and give Davis a big round of applause. That's all yours, dude. All serious? Yeah, absolutely. Have an awesome day. Yeah, man. Absolutely, bro. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Thanks, bro. I'm gonna take the bag now. Yeah, you got. We didn't pay enough to keep the bag. Come on now. Now I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You're good. You guys give it up for Davis one more time. Thanks, buddy. Hey, uh, hey, Chad. You know what we could do? We could give this pizza to the kids and that are hanging out for starting point afterwards. You want to take it to them? Um, it, and plus, if I try to eat some right now, it's gonna be bad. My stomach's gonna be rumbling. Everybody's gonna be hearing it. See, that's super weird, right? Super weird, because the pizza was $12.84. Why in the world would you ever give that much money? Because it's a picture of extravagant generosity, and, and that's a, a microcosm picture of how God looked at you and looked at me, because the scripture says that while we were still sinners, meaning we didn't deserve it, we didn't do anything to earn it, Christ died for us. He was extremely generous. And so when it comes to stewarding God's resources... The goal is to become extremely generous. Now, I could stand up here for the next four weeks and tell you why you should be generous, how you need to be generous, the, the implications of being generous, and I could beat you over the head with generosity, but here's what I know to be true. Everybody in this room wants to be able to do that all the time. We would love to be able to be in a position to do that. We think that's awesome. That makes our heart flutter. We get excited about that. We want to be generous people. We want to be representatives of God because we recognize that it's his and it's not ours when it comes to our resources. The problem is we have structured our lives in our culture and in our society around this idea that it's ours, not God's. And so we are not in the position to be able to be generous like that. And we want to be. So no matter how much I tell you, be generous, be generous, be generous, be generous. It doesn't matter if you're not in the position to be able to be generous. So over the next four weeks, we're going to have conversations around biblical stewardship, but it's not going to be give us your money, give us your money, give us your money. It's going to be how do we set you up for success so that you're in a position so when somebody comes along and asks you for money or asks you for your time or asks you for your talents, that you're in a position to be able to be generous because you have set yourself up in such a way that you are leveraging your life for God's kingdom, not yours. That's what I want to teach. That's what I want this series to be about. I want this series to be about life and life more abundantly. I want this series to be about hope, real hope, hope that you can actually make a difference with what God's blessed you with in the world. But to do that, we gotta have a conversation about money and you gotta be willing to set your reservations about money to the side because we're not asking you for your money. We're teaching you how to steward God's money and do it well. And please know that as we have this conversation. There's a couple reasons this morning and I won't be long. I just want to hit the highlights here. There's a couple reasons why I feel like it's extremely important for us to be generous people when it comes to our resources and why ultimately God's biggest and best characteristic in my mind is generosity. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The first one is this. Generosity is the number one way to look like Christ. It just is. I know that we... I like to put a bunch of other easier things on the table. But sacrificial generosity, meaning giving of yourself to better the life of somebody else, is the number one way to look like Jesus. The proof is found in the words of Jesus. Everybody knows John chapter 3, verse 16, don't we? For God so loved the world 
that he gave, interesting word choice, his only son, that whoever believes in him wouldn't die, but would have everlasting life. But then we stop right there. We forget that Jesus also spoke in John chapter 3, verse 17, where he says this, For the Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. He didn't come to tell anybody what to do. He came to give of himself for everybody. Generosity is the number one way to look like Christ. When you give of yourself, you look like Jesus. And I hear these conversations so much. What about, so, so what about the 10%? Do I have to give the 10% first and set off the gross or the net? And am I allowed to give like 6% to the church and 4% to like other resources? Or do I have to give 10% and then I don't have any money to give to other resources? Like, like how does that all flesh out and work? And when you begin to realize that you're a steward and not an owner, those questions start to sound so stupid, right? And here's why. Because Jesus' life wasn't his. It was his father's. And he didn't say, so God, if I shed just, if I 10% of my blood, is that going to be enough for everybody? Maybe if they just beat me a couple times, but I don't have to actually die, like would that be enough? Because the whole shed blood thing, like at least blood would be spilled. Like there was none of those conversations because that would have been stupid, right? It was, here's all of me. I don't want it. It's going to be difficult. Nevertheless, not not my will, but your will be done. And he gave of himself for you and for me. So when we're generous with what we've been given, when we are extravagantly generous, when we are selflessly generous, when we are sacrificially generous, that's when we look like Jesus. That's when we look the most like a son or a daughter of God. Now, you got to know that this idea of generosity isn't limited to the local church, but that's a heck of a great place to start. I mean, think about it. If you're wanting to move God's kingdom forward in the world because it's his resources and it's his money, you don't ask those questions. Well, what about here? Do I, should I give over there? Can I give to anywhere else? Listen, you need to hear this pastor say, if it makes you uncomfortable to give to this church because you think that I've got an agenda because I want your money, go give your money to a different church. Because the last thing I would want you to do is write off giving to God's church and moving God's kingdom forward because you thought that the pastor had an agenda. So go give it somewhere else. But the local church is a great place to start because where else is the kingdom of God advancing through the proclamation of the gospel other than the local church? Stories of hope, like you guys get to hear week in and week out, you know what makes those possible? Your generosity. And so putting God first in your finances and saying, I'm going to give the first percentage of my income, whatever that is, to God allows you to look insanely like his son. Second reason that I think that generosity is so important is because generosity is a reminder of whose money you're managing. Generosity is a reminder of whose money you're managing. It's a reminder of whose time you're managing. It's a reminder of whose talents you're managing. Because when you keep it and use it for yourself, guess what it instills in you this thought 
This is my money. This is my time. This is my talent. But when you give it away, you know what you're instantly reminded of? Well, there went my money. No, it's not your money. It's God's, and so it's freely given. When you give generously, and I know we hate this. Listen, you got to know, I cringe at the thought of talking about generosity, not because of what God's word says about it, but because of how our culture has spun this conversation in regards to God and the church. But there is nothing more Christ-like than giving away your resources for the sake of somebody else. And there is nothing that will remind you more and more often that it's not yours to begin with than by choosing to give it away. When you hang on to it, when you keep it, or when you spend it on something that benefits you, it's about you. But when you give it away, all of a sudden it becomes about others. And whose very existence is all about others? Jesus. It reminds you of whose money you're managing. And I'll say this and we'll wrap up. If you walk out of here today saying, well, I guess we're going to have to start tithing to that church because he guilted me into it. I don't really have an argument. I don't really feel like it, but I'm just what he said. And God's word says it. I can't really argue with God's word. So you go home and you get on the internet. HopeCityOnline.net. hate this. If that's your thought process, please hear me say, don't do it. Don't do it. God doesn't need your money. And so don't do it out of obligation. The local church doesn't need your money. The local church has withstood 2,000 years of persecution. The local church is going to be just fine. God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. And he doesn't unlock something for you if you give out of obligation. He unlocks something for you when God begins to shift and change your heart and begins to make you into a generous person. And if you don't believe me, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says this. And this is a verse that so many pastors avoid, particularly when we're talking about stewardship. It's way easier to go to the, pa- the passages that say, give a tenth of, of your income to the Lord. This is the one we all avoid. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. What? Time out. That's what I've been telling the preacher for years, and he hadn't listened to me. He never even showed me that verse. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Well, what about the 10%? Well, God's hoping that he changes your heart to where you want to give the 10%. Because he doesn't want your money, he wants your heart. And where your treasure is, that's where your heart's at. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a faithful giver. For God loves a consistent giver. Well, pastors talk about that all the time, don't we? Now, God loves a cheerful giver. I would rather you go home and let God wreck your heart for the next three months over this, and then you start to give and give cheerfully, than to give begrudgingly starting today. Because we represent God at this church, and God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. 
But if you want a window into somebody's heart, look at their checkbook. You love your kids? Absolutely. Look how much money you spend on your kids. Love your wife? Absolutely. Look how much money you spend on your wife. You want a window into somebody's heart? Look at how they spend their time, their talent, and their treasure. And watch this. The myth is that the church just wants your money. But here's the truth here at Hope City Church. The church just wants you to be good stewards of God's money. And I think that starts by saying, God, I could do really well with 100% on my own. But I'm going to trust that I could do better with you managing 90%. Because I've given you control over my life by offering you the first 10% of my income to him. And that's just, a, I'm throwing that number out there. You've got you to give what God tells you to give. There are people in this room that if you gave 10%, you're not even remotely beginning to scratch the surface of sacrificing. And so 10% would not even be the, <laughs> remotely the place to start. For some of you, you've got yourself in such a hole that 10% is not even something you could consider at the moment. And we've got to talk through how to get out of that over the next few weeks so that you can get yourself to 10%. But start somewhere. Start somewhere. And by doing so, what you're saying is, God, I want to be a good steward of your resources. And that's what this gift is about. I want to honor you with what I have and what I do. At this church, we want to make it easy for you to be able to accomplish that and be able to do that. It's why we offer all kinds of ways to give so that generosity is something that is something that's tangible and doable for you guys. But beyond that, we offer something else. And I'll mention this and then we're, we're done. We offer something around here uh, based out of the book of Malachi called the three-month giving challenge. Some of you will remember this. We talked a little bit about it last year. Some of you who are new had no idea that this even exists. But here's how the three-month giving challenge works. And this is in regards specifically to your finances, but I'm convinced that this could apply to every area of your life. The three-month giving challenge works like this. That some of you are really skeptical about God showing up and working with 90%, a whole lot better than you being in control of 100%. Some of you are really sketch on this whole idea of giving money when you're not sure you even have enough money to make ends meet right now. And so the idea of giving your resources is a wall that's too big for you to climb, and God gets that. So here's what God said in Malachi. He says, bring your offerings to the storehouse, and I will open the windows of heaven and rain down blessings on your life. And then he says this, test me in this. I am the Lord, your God. It's the one time in scripture when God says, you don't believe that I'll show up in your life in a very real and powerful way in ways that you can't explain it because I want something for you, not from you? Try me. It's the one time God says, try me. So we're gonna take God up on his offer. So here's how it works here at Hope City Church. If you make the decision to take the three-month giving challenge, you're making a commitment to give a percentage of your income first to the work of the local church. And at the end of the three months, if you don't feel like that you are experiencing the tangible and intangible blessings of God in your life in a very real and practical and powerful way, we're going to give you every dime of your money back. No questions asked. You got nothing to lose. You say, wait a minute, this sounds super weird. He just got way sacrilegious here because now he's offering like a money-back guarantee on my offering. What the heck is going on? Yeah, it's exactly what I'm doing because it's exactly what God said we could do and should do 
in Malachi. And so we're putting him to the test. Here's the deal. This is not like a bait and switch. This is not, uh, yeah, but I wonder how that actually works. They have to have stuff in writing or what the, no, 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 no. Literally, if you let us know you're signing up for the giving challenge, in three months, we send you an email and say, how's it going? If it's not going good, we send you a check. That simple. So you got nothing to lose. Why not give God a shot? Because if you're anything like me, you being in control of 100% of your income ain't working. But when you give God control of your income by giving him the first percentage of what you have, it works. Not because it works on paper, but because he owns the paper that it's written on. So if you'd be interested in taking that giving challenge, when you came in, you were handed a program. At the bottom of that program is a connection card. All we're going to ask you to do is write your information on the front of that connection card, just your name in some way that we can contact you. And on the back, really big somewhere, I just want you to write the phrase, three month. Three month. And then on your way out today, take that card and drop it in one of the black boxes. And then we're going to send you some information about how you sign up to be able to start giving or how you can give um, via the services or whatever other ways are necessary or possible for you. And then in three months, you'll get an email from us. You know what's been so encouraging? We've done this about three times now as a church. To date, we've yet to give a penny back, but we've gotten some unbelievable stories. You know why? Because it's one thing to give God your words. It's one thing to give God a a lifted hand. It's one thing to give God an hour on Sundays. But when you give God control of your resources, it unlocks something in your heart that you've had a grip on for a long time. And it uproots selfishness in you and creates a spirit of generosity, which not only affects your finances, but it begins to affect your marriage. All of a sudden, you're not as selfish in your marriage as you once were. It begins to affect the way that you raise your kids, the way that you treat your neighbors, the way that you you see your job because all of a sudden you start seeing everything through the lens of stewardship, not ownership. And our hope is that over the next three weeks, as we have conversations about life, money, and hope, that you'll walk away far more encouraged than you've ever been about all three. God, we love you and we thank you for the gift that you've given us of playing a part in your kingdom. We ask more than anything, Lord, that you would show up in a very real and powerful and tangible way in our lives as a result of our faithfulness to you. Not because we're giving to get and not because we're trying to receive a blessing, but God, because we want to see the value and the difference that it makes when we are a blessing to others. God, I pray for those that have been robbed of the joy of conversations about stewardship from previous church experiences or bad church experiences. And I pray that starting today, it wouldn't be something that they dread, but it'd be something they look forward to because they get to play a part in your kingdom. We love you and we thank you for these moments. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.